Hey guys, Texas Slim here. I just wanted to give you guys a quick update on the events and a roadmap ahead for us. Uh, we'll be mentioning these moving forward. We'll be including these on the website under future and upcoming events. Uh, the uh, October 15th in Canyon, Texas, we're having the Panhandle Micro Summit. We're going to be talking about heritage. We're going to be talking about Texas history. We're going to be talking microprocessing, wellness, food sheds, community building. Uh, these are going to be templates to be able to do micro summits across the United States that are supported by the Beef Initiative. Uh, this is our first one. It's a small community event. We encourage every one of you guys to come up to the Texas Panhandle. It's the tri-state area. It's old Route 66. It's Paladoro Canyon, second largest canyon in the United States. Panhandle Plains Museum. This is small town, Texas. It's in a small little canyon. Uh, beautiful town, has a university. It's where I grew up. So you guys look at the map, look at your calendar, get in your uh, car and go take Route 66 to Canyon, Texas. You'll have to take a turn to the south whenever you uh, get off Route 66, but you'll be here. It's a, it's a great little town. So uh, let's look how we build small communities with microprocessing being the first processors, being the first call to action for everybody moving forward here in the U.S. Uh, let's look at November 5th. We are having the Cattlemen's Kill It and Grill It. And this is going to be one big day. It's going to be a huge celebration down in Luling, Texas, one hour south of Austin, Texas. Probably about 45 minutes to tell you the truth. It's really easy to get to. There's small Texas towns all around Luling. You got Lockhart, you got Seguin, you got Gonzalez. Plenty of places to stay. That's Saturday. What we're going to do is we're going to kick it off at Hometown Meats, Cole Bolton and KNC Cattle. They are open. Panhandle Meats is open, and they are moving forward with microprocessing down there in South Central Texas. You will get a processing plant tour of Hometown Meats, and then we'll transition over to the local ranch. Uh, Two Bar C Ranch is what that is. Uh, we have uh, a ranch tour that you'll be able to attend, to participate in. One of the most beautiful Texas ranches in this part of Texas. And then after that, we're going to have a big old cowboy celebration. This has been a long, hard-fought year, and we're finally going to let our hair down. We're going to play some music, and we're going to have a big old cattleman's feast. Uh, not anything like you've ever uh, tasted, ever experienced. We're going to bring a little Brazilian, a little uh, Argentinian, a little uh, gaucho, a little uh, Texas flair to uh, how you prepare and how you serve beef. Like I say, you've never seen anything like this. It's going to be in a great uh, modern day cell barn. We've got plenty of capacity and uh, we're just going to have a good time. We're going to be formally announcing the Great American Health Initiative uh, that's going to be led by the Great American Rancher, and that gateway is right through the Beef Initiative. You guys get ready. 2023 is going to be a hell of a year. Uh, really quick, we're going to be in uh, Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee, on December 7th at Bitcoin Park in Nashville. We're going to be uh, having a micro summit there in Nashville with uh, all the Bitcoiners and our new 
Tennessee Beef Initiative headquarters will be christened pretty soon. And then on that Saturday, December 10th, we'll be sitting down Cole Bolton, Jason Rick of Rick Branches, Marty Bent, Matt O'Dell, and we'll be on the stage at the U.S. Cattlemen's Association National Convention. It's an annual event, and this year it's in Nashville. So we'll be there as well. Uh, I'll be heading off to Australia late January of 2023. We're going to have two summits over in Australia. I'll be heading to Thailand right there at the end of February, probably third week of February. We're heading to Thailand. We're taking the beef initiative uh, across the globe, and we're going to be reporting exactly how we do things and how they do things and how we build out locally and we broadcast globally. You guys get on. This is going to be one hell of a year, so come attend one of our events. You got an open invitation. It's a big old family reunion. It's the international lifestyle. It's value for value exchange. And we're moving forward hard. You guys don't worry about that fear porn on TV no more. We've got your lifestyle. We've got your value for value exchange. It's time to decentralize our food supply. I went off to Georgia, and you stayed in here. I think you've been camping out in this place. Yeah, it seems like it. I've been here till 10, 11 o'clock every single day for 14, 21 days nonstop trying to get this thing open. I think I left about 21 days ago, didn't I? It was, because uh, I can't remember if I left from here or if I left from the Panhandle, but it was knee-deep already. And uh, I, I have to admit that I, <laughs> I thought several times on the road is like this kind of sucks all this traveling right now but hell i don't want to be you so tell me the story you know you know i was hoping to get to come to georgia the only issue i had we were trying to keep subs and uh, you know staying up with our expectations for completion and if you're not here and on top of everything it can uh, definitely disappear pretty quick and i'm a very impatient person um I want to provide the best quality product the fastest that I can. And um, so, yeah, I've pretty much been here nonstop. My partner's been here nonstop, and we are finally at the finish line. If you can't see exhaustion in my face today, uh, I don't know who can. (laughs) Well, I did ask you, uh, hey, Cole, can we, uh, you you okay to do this? Can we have a little fun? Maybe relax a little bit because I know it's been stressful. By the way, guys, this is Texas Slim. We're back in South Central Texas. We're with uh, Cole Bolton of KNC Cattle. And he is now the proud owner and partner, co-partner with Hometown Meats in Luling, Texas. You told me uh, a year ago that this is what you were doing. You've been in the works for how long now? Two and a half years to open up a microprocessing center in the state of Texas. Yeah, it's... uh... It's finally surreal now. Forever, I wasn't sure if we were going to get finished. Um, You know, specifically in this industry, one of the depressing things is the availability. You know, everyone's having supply chain issues, but, you know, my stun sheet, you know, to bring our beef in, restrain it, and to be able to to harvest, we ordered 14 months ago. Yeah. And uh, after this, I'll have to go show it to you. We built one in eight hours. 
because mine still hasn't arrived. And it has been those type of, of things that, that have really driven this to be a, such a long construction project. But, right. Um, well, let's, let, let's uh, for the people that don't know, you know what that takes. It takes welding. It takes piping. And you guys did it in eight hours. Somebody makes a lot of money off of selling those. Somebody makes a lot of money off the contracts of those. And here you guys go in there because you, t- you told me three or four times, it's like, man, they're messing with me. I, you know, I don't know what the hell is going on here. T- what, what, what does it entail to make one of those in eight hours? Well, there's some redneck engineering. <laughs> um, you know, I told my partner afterwards, I'm like, hell, we ought to just get a patent on this thing oh, and shit. sell them for what we paid to, to buy one. Um, we, uh, we actually bought two big old panels, uh, bull panels, and then we took sheet metal and we welded sheet metal all the way on both sides. We built ramps inside so the animal can fall and not bruise the meat, but they can slide off of your chute onto the, uh, onto the floor as you hoist them up to, to start the process. And, um, you know, we had to weld, you know, fortunately we had a really really amazing welder i mean the same guy built my whole rail system he's phenomenal and he's so supportive of what we're trying to do i mean he was dropping things to come help us is he local around here that's badass yeah that's good we've used nothing but pretty much local subs except for specific uh things in a plant that are more industry specific your cold storage uh your refrigeration there's only a certain couple companies in the country that really master that and we use them for that. Yeah. Uh, but we've used nothing but local guys, and they've given us local treatment. They've done everything they can to, to try to get us to the finish line. Well, I mean, you just said it, local. That's what we're all about. That's what you're all about. I mean, the Beef Initiative, K&C Cattle, from day one, it's like, let's how, to, how can we localize our food systems again? How can we localize our market access to beef, you know? And it, it is. It's, it's about that community. And you look at Luling, Texas, right? Nobody knows anything about luling nothing about it but you picked it for a reason logistically strategy you know your strategy you know there's something behind that but one thing that you you talked to me about was hey how many jobs are we going to provide you know why are you putting it here and so let us let everybody know like what we were, what was your thought process on making that decision uh, you know geographically it made sense for us because the primary uh direction of of our business is houston san antonio austin and dallas right well dallas is an outlier we still go there once a month but you know from here we're 55 minutes an hour and 15 depending on traffic to uh to san antonio 45 minutes from downtown austin uh we're about an hour and a half from houston we're five miles off of interstate 10 um coincidentally we found out they're about to build the world's largest buckies uh in luling <laughs> and so i think that'll be nice um Pretty much anyone in Central Texas that's going to the coast yeah. runs Highway 183, so you're going to pass hometown meat market. So geographically, it made sense. Yeah. Um, you know, the city for so long has just been driven on commerce from oil and gas, and that is such a cyclical business that a lot of the industry here has kind of dried up. Yeah. And the city was super, super supportive trying to bring an agriculture enterprise, but aside from that, bring someone that wants to hire local. So, you know, looking at my employees, uh, my partner, Mr. Clyde, and I, we, I think of 20 that are, that are hired right now, 
19 live in the city of Louisville. Right. And so we, we're ecstatic. Uh, we've actually brought some employees uh, in that are moving to Luling. So that number will keep going up. We're going to try to, you know, at full capacity, we'll be running 35 to 50 people. Right. And they're all going to be local yeah. you know, for the most part. Um, so, yeah, it was. That's, I mean, that, that's very important these days is people are starting to look at their lifestyles. They're starting to look at their jobs. They're starting to look at their food. They're starting to look at their communities again. I've told everybody from day one it starts with, this type of food, which is, you know, pure animal protein, but here it's the best beef in Texas by, you know, by far everybody's starting to figure that out, which is, uh, it's kind of magical. You know, it's been like a, a year that we've been working towards this goal. Right. And you've done a lot of hard work to get here And what you've done, done right now. A lot of people understand the transformation that you have to do from where you're processing until, you know, processing our own beef here. Is, is something that needs education. People need to understand what that entails because this is a shift. You know, we're, we're getting a lot of demand right now and we want everybody to know, hey, you know, this is what entails. This is, uh, we're being transparent. This is how important it is. And you talk about that all the damn time. Yeah, I'm kind of a perfectionist as far as customer service. You know, if you're gonna buy a high quality product or I'm gonna buy one, I expect to, to get a high quality product. Well, I'm a little, I want to take that always a step further. And I want people to receive an experience or service that they can't get anywhere else. And from a marketing standpoint, it really di helps differentiate my company, but more than anything, it represents my core beliefs. And, you know, one of the hardest things that, that you know, most of our listeners probably wouldn't understand is, <laughs> So we use a third-party processor. We've had an excellent partner up near Waco. Um, they have been great. They've been harvesting for us for almost a year now. Well, I had to time it with when our expected you know, opening date was. Well, the caveat you can't control is when USDA is gonna say, all right, you can. Well, interesting fun fact, USDA starts based on pay periods. So we had a little delay because we have to start on a week in which they're pay period starts to send an inspector. So delayed us a week. I scrambled found to try to find somewhere to process and they had some um, hiccups, we'll just say, and we didn't get our product timely this week. I've been really frustrated really for the last two weeks because our inventory is something for the first time in, in 12 months has been out of my control. Right. Had we been open, we could have we could have handled that. So uh, for any of the listeners that have ordered in the last uh, 10 days, um, this is n not how we normally do business. It's something that's been out of my control, but we're going to take ownership for it and make sure, sure they get the best product that we can, we can send to them and uh, make sure they enjoy the experience. I think it's an opportunity to do that education about you know, the lack of market access that so many people have to quality food what it takes, that vertical integration that we've always been talking about. And to pull it off, the value is in to be able to pull off that vertical integration. There's some hiccups. There's some pain points there. We're suffering through them. It hadn't been too bad from the customer side. They don't know the <laughs> all the bullshit that you've had to go through. But there is a lot that you've uh, you've done very well. And, you know, the value is knowing that from here on out, they're going to get the best beef in the state of Texas. Yeah, you know, being able to control 
the the entire process is huge for us. Yeah. Um, one, I'll probably sleep a little better at night just because, you know, I had some customers that ordered two Saturdays ago. And my intention would be to deliver or ship to them no later than Wednesday. Well, each week we get beef delivered on Tuesday. So we freeze overnight. Sometimes it takes a little longer. And so we're shipping them Thursday. Well, when I don't get beef till the following Wednesday, there's no way I could ship. Yeah. And then this week kind of been the same storm. I got like one beef. We're going through 20 a week to meet, to reach the demand of what we have now. And it's been a, a very humbling and exciting experience. Um, but you know, more than anything, we're working the hours. I can assure you it is, it has nothing to do with laziness. My guys are (laughs) all about, uh, on the, on the last tank of fuel in them right now, but, um, we've made it. Yeah. I was talking to Monty. He was pretty much telling me the same thing, but you know, that's, that's where, that's where the value does lie is the, is the type of work that goes into this that we get to start talking about as far as this is what you should be paying attention. You shouldn't be paying attention to, you know, uh, a different form, uh, market access to shitty products, man. And I'm ready to start saying it. It's like, you know, this is without question, you shouldn't even be paying attention to the, the corporate, the global, you know, food supply, all that kind of stuff that they're bringing up. If people are afraid of, you don't have to be afraid of it now. And that's that vertical integration is direct market access, new consumer demand. And I think people are really catching on to that. Yeah, I think so too. Um, each week we either have people sending referrals or we're seeing more and more customers buying back. Yeah. Um, you know, I always appreciate and, and very thankful for the compliments that people send us or email us or put on the website uh, when they give reviews or, you know, for us through Google, it's such a, important thing with a lot of our urban consumers because they don't listen maybe to the same information that we're able to provide on podcasts. So they go off Google's interpretation of your quality of business. But right. um, what we find is once we get in the door the first time that most people that have our product significantly see the difference in the meat. And uh, I hear all the time, I'll never go back to the grocery store. And that's always uh, nice to know, but yeah. um, we hope to make that the, the new anthem going through not just Texas, but the whole, the whole country, the whole world. We hope people are they're focused on to. buying local. Yeah, they're going to. They, I mean, this is turning into something, you know, and this is said with a lot of humility, but nobody was talking on the level that they were this time last year. You and I knew that. We, we talked about it in, you know, in person. We talked about it on the phone saying this is the year to really push forward with, the, you know, how we kind of used to do things, you know, that community building. And, you know, there's so much opportunity for people, and I get the same type of emails every day. People will say, man, I, my life has been changed just because of this type of market access, this understanding, this type of food intelligence. And so saying that, this is just getting started. I mean, this is, this is going to be something. This is a phenomenon, I think, that's going on right now. And your, your vision and everything, Clyde's vision, you know, what we're doing with the Beef Initiative, this is a global thing, and it's going to be fun to orchestrate it. I get to start being a little cocky now. But, I'm, you know, by saying that, I'm always relying on you. You know that. You know, it's, it's something you're such a humble guy. But, you know, the power behind what we're doing to bring a lot of people together, you've seen it firsthand. And that's, that's what's beautiful about this. 
Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's, this is a hard business to get in. And, and I have people reach out all the time that are small producers and they want to get in and then they go to their first farmer's market. Two months later, they never want to touch raising beef again. Yeah. Um, it is very political. It's really hard. It's a lot of work for a very minimal return, but we're doing the absolute best that we can to educate them and help them find an avenue to move that product um, and get more more producers on board with that too. How many, you, you told me the other day, it's like, hey, I've, I've gotten a lot more calls than I thought that I was going to get. People getting, you know, they're, they're wanting to move that protocol into through hometown meats. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we tried to do something different than, than a lot of other processors with technology. We, we put some of the most state-of-the-art equipment in. Part of that's for efficiency. And the other part is, once again, to provide a, a packaging and, and uh, tracking uh, capability that you can't get. So as we design this plant, you know, there's still some flaws with it. I see it now that we have it built. I'm like, damn, I wish I would have changed this or I would have right. changed that. But we tried to take the positives and negatives of all these facilities I had to use as I was growing and juggling and create something that filled all those voids. Yeah. Well, you've done a good job. I mean, I was out here pretty early on. It's fascinating. And you've gone through some uh, supply chain issues, you know, equipment not getting delivered, you know, regulations, city kind of fumbling on a few things, but they've made up for it to the extent that they can. Um, and the value, like I say, is is going to be in the finished product. And we're, we're going to have a celebration. We're going to turn some fun into the conversation and we're going to hold the cattleman's kill it and grill it. And let's, let's talk about that. We're going to have it here in Luling, Texas. We're not going to tell too much about the ranch, but we're going to, you know, we're going to do the ranch tour and do the processing center tour. And then we're going to have a big old cattleman's feast. Yeah. So, you know, I hear all the time from people that they want to come out to the ranch and I'm not at all snobby or have a hidden secret. The problem is I've been juggling all this and I think I've said on other podcasts, it's me and my wife and we have one or two others that help us and, and you know, just finding time here lately to be able to do that um, has almost been impossible. Hell, finding time. I think I made it home the other night we celebrated. Sunday, I got home at 8.30 right as the sun was setting. It's the first time I've seen my house in several months before dark. And uh, so, you know, you and I started talking and and I want to provide an experience so that people can come and see what, see what we do, see the transparency, um, and and get a glimpse of what a processing center's like. And then you know, in Texas fashion, man, we really got to outdo it when it comes to eating, because vitals is you know it's a big thing in Texas. So what we are going to do is basically, if you've ever been to a Brazilian steakhouse. And you have all these different cuts of meat you can try. We are going to cook and prepare just about every damn cut that you can pull off a cow for people to experience. So it's going to be this buffet-style meat-a-palooza that if you leave hungry, it's because you couldn't stop talking to somebody and didn't eat. Um, I, I can tell you what we're going to provide in beef 
your ticket to our event is cheaper. Because it's like going to the Brazilian steakhouse is 70 bucks a, a person. And you're going to get to try everything with us. So I think, I think anyone that comes is going to have a hell of a good time. Well, I mean, we proved that in Kerrville at the conference. I mean, we still had beef left over, and we had over 100 people there. Well, I think, uh, yeah, I keep on asking you because I don't know how many people is going to come to this, but I think we can get 300 people here because it's going to be like a cowboy freaking shindig is what it's going to be. <laughs> it, is. it is, you know. Let's do this. We're going to have this uh, this event in the cell barn at the ranch. Right. And folks, don't get nervous. Uh, if you've ever been to a local auction barn, this is the exact opposite. It's actually really, really nice. Freaking work of art is what it is. It's <laughs> a beautiful view. Um, the weather's going to hopefully, God willing, be really nice that first of November. And Yeah. Um, but it is going to be a hell of a good time. Well, I mean, I, when I went out there that first time, because I grew up in West Texas, those cell barns out there, it's a little bit different. So, but, uh, you know, the walls coming up, you're looking out over the ranch. I mean, you've got your auction. You got, you, you know, it, it's a perfect setup for something like this. And what what's really cool about this is that we get to celebrate for a short period of time, but then we're going to get busy again. You know, coming up, we're going to be in Nashville in December. You know, we're all going to be speaking, Jason, you, uh, Marty and Matt, you know, they're going to be speaking on this panel and, you know, we got invited, you know, collectively to the U S cattlemen's association convention in Nashville. It's an annual thing. It, it's kind of interesting being asked to do that because it's, you know, it's the, it's the conversion of Bitcoin and beef, you know, and that's what we've been working on from the very beginning where, you know, how we've really educated people, the tool that Bitcoin is and they're interested. They want to hear what we have to say. That I think that's pretty impressive. I mean, when I first told you about that, what did you think? Well, I was kind of hesitant because I've been on the, as I said, before I got in this business, I was on the commercial side of, yeah. of, of the cattle industry. And I know a lot of the feedback I get from other producers is like, the Bitcoin stuff, I don't understand it. That's technology and shit. I don't wanna I don't wanna know. Just pay me. And you know, it's been a it's been a hard receipt from a lot of sure. a lot of producers. Yeah. But uh so yeah, I was kind of skeptic as to why in the world they would invite us for you know, we're trying to promote regenerative agriculture, the use of Bitcoin, kind of a whole different world of cattle production than what most any and all ranchers do. And so that's exciting that they are interested in hearing about what we have to say. Well, I think it's bold of us to, to go. I'm honored to be asked. Uh, I think we have a responsibility because there is value in what we're doing. It's not a judgment. It's nothing. It's education. You know, it's saying, hey, you know, there's pain points out there. We're looking at those same pain points and we're like, hey, we're trying to find some solutions and that's all we're trying to do is really share some good education. You've been very innovative with your choices. You know, you, you basically, you know, you're the first rancher I know on this level that's ever traded beef and Bitcoin. And, and you're doing a damn good job right now. Thank you. We're, we're, we're trying. Um, yeah, you know, I have more, I've had more producers ask, you know, how do you handle Bitcoin and where does all that tie in? And, and I give my own explanations on how I use it with my, my own company. But, you know, there are a lot of learning curves in this whole process from raising the animal to 
being able to help them find market access, how you have market access, how you ship, how you box, how you package. Um, and hopefully we can give some insight on that to, to folks that are interested. But um, as I've said over and over, it is a hard business. Yeah, It is a business on very small margins and trying to figure out how to make it all work. Yeah, and a lot of people don't know that. I mean, they, you know, everybody's very detached from what a really modern-day rancher producer is. And they don't understand a lot of the pain points that you guys have gone through. I mean, throughout your life, you've seen it. I mean, it's shifted so many times from, uh, from where we were, like when your father first started out, to where we are now. And what a lot of people, you know, especially with media, they're trying to paint, you know, of course, the war on meat that they do. The, the rancher, you know, how they demonize so many different things. And, you know, with us being able to decentralize some of our communications, decentralize the food process as far as market access, you know, from the vertical integration all the way to the sole to the fork, people are going to start paying attention because this stuff is happening. And, you know, it needs to be led and it needs to be stewarded in the right way with, with that type of education that is required. I mean, I'm going to be doing a lot of talking from here on out. You know, people are catching on. We've got people in Australia wanting to know what you're doing in Texas. That means something. And I think that we, you know, we're going to take that and run with it as much as we can. And you do. You know the industry. You know from the commercial side to the regenerative side, you were trained, you know, your education, everything fits perfectly in what we're about to accomplish. I sure hope so. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're going to be leading it, so. It's, uh, you know, uh, I learn something every day. That's that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I'm always happy to share it with others. I don't. I try to be an open book with everything that we do, and um, I hope that more and more producers will start being that way. Because it's all for so long. It's kind of been like these hidden secrets. You know, how do you how do you wean? Uh, what uh, what vaccine do you give? And you know, especially on the commercial side, nobody wants to give their they're golden secrets, but right. You know, we were talking about margin a while ago. What a lot of folks don't realize is, I hear all the time, "Well, man, them ranchers making all that money. Them damn steaks at the grocery store are so expensive." That's why I built this because it's yeah. as far from the truth as as it can be. The big packers were making all the money. Um, the producer, we weren't getting even right now with inflation. We're not getting added value back on our beef. We're getting hit harder. They're not paying up for product. In fact, right now on the commercial side of the ledger, the board, the the uh, commodities board is down. Um, it's been dropping. Um, and so that is exactly why I built this. So now I no longer, and hopefully other producers no longer, have to be at the mercy um, and it's not like we reinvented the wheel. I mean, there's other good processors in Texas. There's a lot of, uh, not a lot, but there are some really good ones. Um, and we encourage people to use their facilities too. But we need this movement across the nation because it's the only way we can control our food source. It's the only way that we can capitalize ranchers and producers again because we're going to wake up here in a few years if we don't change this trajectory and you're going to have all these big corporate conglomerates hiring 
cheap labor to try to make your food and you think they really care? Absolutely not. Because now the small operator said, you know what, I've had enough, it's not worth it, I'm done. And that's, that's kind of by design, whatever it is, maybe it's regulatory capture. You know, it's always hard to trace down what, what the really the root cause of it all really doesn't matter anymore. What really matters is how do we circumvent around it, how we kind of borrow from the past, especially in the state of Texas, and kind of reinvent the way that we're going to be basically sourcing our food moving forward. So, you know, people are going to be paying attention. So in, in as, as far as saying that, you know, distribution, you brought up distribution. Um, that is another pain point that we're going to innovate into as well. I mean, we look at it all the time as far as, you know, how are we going to ship? And as we grow in volume, our shipping will become even more streamlined. And that's something I'm looking forward to do because we're going to go ahead and innovate into that market as well. Yeah, I mean, you got to grow to a certain scale to start being able to have buying power and negotiating power. And for us, we've been able to join some co-op groups to try to cheapen our shipping, and it's still high. I mean, if I'm on the other side of this ledger as a consumer. For those of y'all that buy out of state, we get it. We know it's high, and we're all we're doing is passing the direct cost on. Um, but we're we are continuing to try to get that down. That is one of the reasons I'm really reeling in and trying to bring more of my geographic focus to Texas, because I can get that cost way, way down and where it needs to be. Um, but fortunately, in November, where we negotiate with some of our our vending provider and see if we can get that down even further, but. Um, it is a never-ending challenge. Well, the thing about that is everybody's used to shopping online. Now they're used to shopping and buying beef online. And they, they're all the gimmicks, all the tricks, all the marketing plans, and free shipping, you know, and free bacon for life. And, you know, you throw all that in there. Well, basically all that is is a deception. They're not getting free shipping. It's built into the cost of the beef. And a lot of people don't understand that because they don't understand the true cost of beef throughout the whole integration of processing, producing, everything that's involved with that distribution. So that's one thing that is great about our relationship as far as in the business part and the partner side. It's like we're going to be transparent. We've had these discussions. It's like, hey, we could raise it up, but then we're going to be, you know, we could offer free shipping, but we don't want to do that. No, I... I'm just kind of a down-to-earth, black-and-white person. Yeah. You know, I want you to know what you pay for price per pound with me. And at the end of the day, I'm going to pass it along because I get that all the time. Well, is there an amount I can buy up to that's free shipping? Well, if that's the case, then, yeah, I'll just start having to add it on on the backside because from a margin standpoint, I don't care if you ask Jason or um, you ask any other producer. By the time we pick it up or take the animal to harvest, Pick up the beef, go home, sort it, inventory it, ship it to you, and pay for all the labor. Still don't make a whole lot of money. And so, sadly, there is no room for freebies. And those other big companies don't have the room either. They just allow you to buy cheaper, crappier product for that gimmick. <laughs> I went into the grocery store because I do it. I like to mock it anymore and make kind of, kind of make fun of it. But it... it it was funny because, you know, the, the wording that they put on packaging now, people every day are asking me, well, what is this so-and-so grocery store selling and how are they selling? Why is it worded this way? And 
it comes down to that people are so confused out there. And I just keep on telling people, is that, you know, it really doesn't matter anymore. What you need to know is you need to know, you need to go shake your damn rancher's hand. And that's it. You either do it digitally because of how we present our content. You do it through the platforms, KNC Cattle, Beef Initiative, of course. Or, you know, you come to Hometown Meats now. It's a lifestyle, and people are going to start understanding that. What are your thoughts on hometown meats as far as the storefront? Because a lot of people have never seen something like this at all. Yeah. So, you know, like for us, our storefront, we won't get to open until about the middle of, of October because we ordered uh, meat cases six months ago. Yeah. Company went bankrupt. We had to get all our money back, turn around and buy from another company. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, it'll be, it'll be an experience where you come in, you get to talk with a butcher. You get to talk to someone that understands our program and our protocols. And you can have them sit and spend the time to ed- educate you on, you know, I like a well-marbled, leaner steak. Well, I can tell you right off the bat, my guys are going to come at you and try to tell you about the Denver's. They're going to coach you on it. Very well-marbled steak. Uh, marbled. Can't talk today. <laughs> and it is leaner. Um, tastes great. When you come in and ask about, hey, um, we just want to get ribeyes. They're probably going to direct you to a New York strip, a top sirloin, a filet mignon, and tell you all the different cuts. Um, and so, you know, you're going to be able to customize. You want a two-inch bone-in ribeye? All right, we'll go cut it. So it, you can get that at your local – some of the local butchers can. Local butchers don't fabricate to the level of what no. we do. No, they don't. Um, Not even close. And you can't get, a, you know – a uh, a plethora of a, of a menu like what we're, what we're going to offer. And I cooked all the guys' lunch Monday. All right, let me rephrase that. Old Butch cooked all the guys' lunch Monday. Came out, we served fajitas. Everybody's eating. They were telling us, man, that meat, that, how good it was. Man, those are the best fajitas. And I was like, you realize you just ate two of the toughest cuts of meat off a cow. What you, would you cut up? Well, what we did, we took an arm roast. And who in the world thinks you can make fajitas out of an arm roast? Oh, Butch can. You slow smoke them, and it, it does wonders. Um, we had some Asobuco, same thing. He smoked them, deboned them, and uh, um, we did some, some other back-end roasts that, that aren't your top-end roasts. And they had no idea that you could ever take a roast and turn it into fajita meat. Right. You can. You just got to slow smoke it. We're going to spend that time educating our customers on that. And then occasionally you're still going to get the asshole that comes in and is like, I don't give a shit. I just want nothing but ribeyes. All right, well, here, take your ribeyes. Thanks for coming. But um, Well, I bought a $50 ribeye at Central Market last night in Austin, Texas, and it said natural Angus beef. <laughs> and it said harvested in the USA. So what does that mean? A lot of people don't even realize, well, it doesn't mean it's from the U.S. They don't have to tell you if it is from the U.S. might be from the U.S., might be from Texas, it might be from Nebraska, might be from Brazil, might be from Africa. They don't have to tell, oh, Australia, let's get into Australia. You just never know, man. And they can put anything on that, that little sign there and make you think that, hey, you know, this is the best USDA prime you're going to ever find. You know, it's funny you said that story. I had a, somebody that was listening to a podcast you did the other day called me to order some beef. And the lady's super nice. And she goes, yeah, my husband and I, we listen to Texas Slim, and we want to buy directly from you because we're, we're in Austin. Excellent. We'll take care of you, ma'am. 
And uh, she said, well, we went to eight, or I don't remember. There was a supermarket she went to. Right. And she was telling me that they asked the butcher what grass-fed labeled beef meant. And the butcher educated them that it's, that, that product was coming from Australia because in the United States, you can't grass-feed grass beef completely due to seasons, which is really interesting to me. Uh-huh. Because we have some great producers that do uh, grass-fed, including myself. We have producers that do grass-fed and grass-finished. Um, so, you know, even these butchers at your grocery stores have no clue about that. They have no clue that we can bring meat in with a label, uh, not us at hometown, but in the meat industry. Like you just said, out of Australia, out of Canada, as long as it's processed and packaged here, U.S. beef, baby. And I, I just... I have a really hard time with that. I, I do too. It's like, uh, this is me being kind of a smart ass and stuff. It's like no sugar added. And, you know, it really is. And in even good intentional people, they're really wanting to know. I walked into Kroger's in Nashville. I, like I said, I go into the supermarket to kind of see what's going on. And I said, hey, where's, where's this beef come from? And he goes, well, it says J on the package. It's, and it comes in plastic. I said, you're not even cutting that up, are you? And he's like, no. He said, they don't let us cut it up anymore. It comes like this delivered. You know, he's trying to make a living. But, you know, from those days of really knowing what, <laughs> where the beef comes from, how to cut it up, how to speak to it, what grass-fed means, what organic means, there is so much deception that it just eliminate all that crap. And, you know, here we go. And, you know, what's even scary for our industry, some of the breeding associations have been having meetings with these packers and a lot of these grocery chains are even looking to start further processing so let's kind of take that a step back most people don't realize when you go to a grocery store they're actually buying beef from one of these big packers and they're sending them to them in a primal so they're either getting whole shoulders or whole ribeye rolls whole tenderloins and then they're fabricating and putting it out in their packaging and upcharging their margin well, a lot of these grocery stores are now going back to these big packers and saying, now we want you to handle the fabrication. We don't even want to, which is scary because we're gonna have less and less butchers. And you know, on these large scale processing plants, it's about speed and it's about numbers. Yeah. That artisanship that goes with your fabrication is gonna start diminishing if they truly go and start doing that. And I hate to hear that. Mm-hmm. Well, and let's look at it where I come from. I come from commodity cowboy country, West Texas. You went to school up in Lubbock. You know, I come out of Amarillo. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, there's a lot of people that work up there that are in processing. And what I've seen, you know, throughout, especially the last 20 years, I see buses, people being shipped to these processing centers they're not even, you know, they're not local. They're people that are brought in to work in, you know, with that skill set in that, you know, that those big old processing centers. And so you, in Amarillo, they're building that new processing center. It's going to kill 3,000 a day, right? And they're saying, oh, it's going to bring 1,600 jobs. You're not going to find 1,600 people locally to be able to work in that damn processing center. Well, they'll end up being locals. They have to come from all over the country and move them into Amarillo. Yeah, well, that happens, and, and, they, and then they bus them to, you know, from the Section 8 housing to the processing centers. 
And, you know, that's what it is. And that's, that's unfortunate. It doesn't have to be that way. So, you know, just that little bit of awareness right there might change somebody's mind. It's like, okay, I'm going to understand what these guys are saying. And, you know, I was talking to Justin up in the panhandle, you know, he's got his microprocessing center. We'll be talking about that, that micro summit there, but he's even working with the community where they're, uh, they have a school out outside Tucumcari now. I think it's Messi Verde. I think it's what it's called there. You, you might know it's rodeo country or roping country, but, um, they're going to start giving scholarships for people to learn how to cut again. So as it goes away, there are people doing stuff, you know, and it is coming back. People are yearning for it. And that's, you know, we're going to try to reach out to the universities, but a lot of these high schools that have meet programs so that we can bring folks in and help them build a career. Right. Um, because it is, it's hard to find people that go into this industry um, yeah. anymore. And, you know, I just hope you were talking about the deal in Amarillo I hope, you know, we need more competition in the industry, whether you're on, you know, the small scale uh, side of the ledger like we are with Farm to Table or even on the corporate side. You do have to have that diversity uh, and have someone competing against them. I just worry because, you know, so many other guys have tried this. They've done co-ops. They've gone to other states, and the success rate is so minimal out of things that are out of their control. And... I hope that that doesn't happen. Yeah, it's, you know, and that's what people need to be aware of, though, that they haven't been successful. Lots of efforts always put into it, and you got to do it in a more of a decentralized way, and that's what we've been talking about from the beginning, you know. So there is hope there, and I I think that uh, we're going to create a lot of buzz. So, uh, well, we get to go to Nashville in December, and then uh, we're going to do that. I get to go to Australia. They're going to have two beef initiative summits in Australia. They're putting it together. The Australians are putting it together. That's pretty cool because they want to know what Cole Bolton and KNC Cattle and Beef Initiative and Jason and Justin and everybody else, but they want to know exactly what we've done here. So what, are you going to be like the kangaroo cowboy or what? <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm not going to be a, a, a cliche. That's for damn sure. <laughs> but they want to know, you know, they want to know about Texas Slim and the beef initiative. They want to know about Cole Bolton. People want to know what it is to be a Texas cowboy. That is true. That's something they want to know about. And, you know, it, there's a lot of stories that we're going to get to tell moving forward. And uh, one of them is that, you know, I, I always, uh, we're not going to close out yet, but, you know, we did have a story that we started last time and I'm, I told you I would start the stories and let you finish them and last time I, I think that uh, that I remember is that we ended up on a highway or something and you were roping cattle yeah <laughs> I gave the intro to it and uh-huh. I was explaining how we had uh, a city worker leave a gate open we had just weaned almost 200 calves off their mamas had them in a pasture and they got out most people don't that haven't been to our ranch don't realize that we're pretty much on the direct other side of the toll road is Tesla. Tesla. It's one of the biggest car manufacturing plants in the world, isn't it, right now? It's pretty big. Is it? It's pretty big. I drove by. It looked gigantic. Yeah. I mean, it was a lot of fun living there. You got to see them out your damn bedroom window every night when they were building the thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, we had cattle scatter, and I think my wife and I, for three days straight, were roping cattle and herding them across the highway. Um, 
I rode a horse so much, my dang ass was sore for a week. And I know that sounds kind of kind of scary uh, <laughs> when I say that, but um, you know, I hadn't had to ride a horse like that that length of time because usually it's in spurts. So jump on thirty minutes, check a pasture, right. drive to the next one, jump on thirty minutes, you know. And I haven't sat in a saddle for you know fourteen, sixteen hours in a very long freaking time. Um, but yes, we did. We wrote some stuff in neighborhoods. We wrote cattle. Uh, across FM 973, and I think the traffic count is like 100,000 a day. We stopped traffic at one point, and I'm watching people out with their cell phones recording this, and, I, you know, consciously, I'm like, what? We're pushing cattle across the road. What's the big deal? But I realized that a lot of people had never seen that. No. And, um, you know, uh, we got our dogs running, and, and they're pushing them up, and people are just uh, geeking out over it. So, um yeah. We just, uh, the problem I had is when we went on the other side of the toll road, yeah. that wasn't a whole lot of fun. Um, well, you told me a funny, I was cracking up. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't talk. You were talking about some lady with the camera and uh, flower gardens or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was about three in the morning. Sheriff called and was like, hey, we found another one. It's over in this brand new development. It's right next door to Tesla. And uh, so we show up and we have a cow in, in, the lady's like trying to take it grass and water. I'm like, look, just trust me. <laughs> this sucker just got off his mom. He don't want to be friends with you. Um, and stupid me, I told Kelsey, I'm like, it's three. I'm tired. I'm not catching a horse. I thought I'd done all my math. And yeah. I thought this was one of the smaller ones. Uh, it, I was wrong. Right. We get there, and it's 600-pound yearling. I'm like, oh, shit. Um, all right. Kelsey, tie three ropes together. So we put square knots and three ropes Finally get the lady to get out of the way, and the sheriff's helping us, and Kelsey pushes the calf towards the garage of these people's house, and, the, and I'm, I'm standing behind a car, you know, in their driveway. They have two cars, and I'm hiding behind it because I'm like, it won't see, and then I drop the rope. I don't, I don't want to make any yeah. type of a hectic move. Calf comes by. I drop the rope right there on it. And I was smart for tying three ropes together because the moment I zipped that rope tied around her neck, this damn heifer drugged my ass. And I'm talking, I have a rope around my waist. I'm just bouncing down the street, every speed bump. I'm like, thank God, I finally got some leverage. And uh, this poor lady, I had asked her to go sit in her garage, and I think she got pissed. I'm like, no, it's for your safety. And I look out, she's laid out in the middle of the road. <laughs> The calf's going right at her, and I'm like, ma'am, for the love of God, get up. Please crawl, anything. And I'm, like, just burning my hands up trying to hold this damn cow. Right. And uh, she was about 12 inches from getting smoked down. Right. And that calf hit the end of the rope. And anyway, moral to the story, should have listened. Yeah. But <laughs> we, uh, we got the calf loaded, and... Um, it all kind of worked out, and sheriff is like, "Man, I've never seen someone quite do it that way." Well, me neither. Right. I kind of made it up. <laughs> We're engineering as we go. Yeah. So, well, that's what's going to be fun. Is like next time we we really tell that full story, we're going to kind of keep on building it up, and people are going to be able to hear it. You know, after uh, after a couple of beers, because we are going to have a celebration. Um, you know, I talked to Clyde tonight when we were waiting to get set up and everything and you know he wants me to come back and he wants me to come out to the ranch and let's tell everybody kind of what 
Clyde does. Yeah, so uh, Clyde Summerlott, he's the owner of Two Bar C uh, Ranch in Luling. Um, he's my partner in the processing facility, and quite frankly, he's been my partner for several years. Um, we've been, uh, he has some of the best Angus genetics you can get, and he's a big reason that I escalated in the industry. He helped me with get those genetics into my herd. We put our calf crops together. Um, and we're going to keep growing together and, and providing more and more high-quality beef. But the man is just an awesome person, awesome individual, very methodical, and he has built a hell of a facility. So when we're talking about uh, doing a ranch tour, we're actually going to Two Bar C Ranch in Luling. Yeah. And I think anyone that once again comes to that event, they'll understand. Yeah. And, It'll help you see what, what he's built. Let's talk about that ranch because from day one, you talk, because everybody's got in, in their minds, you know, what a ranch is, right? And they, you know, they growing up watching Dallas or whatever the hell it is, Yellowstone, all that kind of stuff. This is a true, beautiful Texas ranch. You know, I've seen a lot of them. You've, that's, you've seen them all, not all, but you've seen a lot, but it, that, it's pretty impressive out there, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, he's got, a heck of a cow-calf operation, a heck of a bull development operation for his herd bulls that he, that he sells. Um, he's got an AI facility so we can strategically breed this, the bloodlines that you want in. Uh, it is quite extensive. It um, is. But it, it took a person of vision to, to really build something like that. And it's something he's passionate about. I mean, the, he lives and breathes the Angus industry or the Angus breed. Um, but he just, over the last 20, 30 years, has just slowly accumulated and accumulated. And um, he's been very successful with it. I think we're going to uh, kind of set a new standard. You know, being able to do a ranch tour these days is, is I think it's extremely valuable to people. And, you know, I'm, I'm extremely excited and, and thankful that he's going to, you know, open up the doors. A lot of, it's hard to do that. You know, it's hard for him to do it. It's hard for you to do what you do, but you're willing to do it because this is your life. This is what's important. You want people to understand it from the perspective of being there in person and being able to look at that beauty. I mean, you can, you can go out there and just be at peace. It's just something else. It is. You know, how the land is uh, stewarded, how it's manicured, how the herds look. I mean, just the, like you said, genetics, some of the best genetics in, in that I've ever seen. And, you know, everybody likes to strive for that. But this yeah. is the real deal. And you're going to see it. Well, I couldn't agree more. Well, that's how you got started is what you're saying, right? You know, he deserves a lot of credit. So, but I'm going to come back after that micro summit and I'm going to spend, you know, a day or so out there and we're going to talk and we're going to do this again. So, you know, I know you're exhausted and I know you've been going hard for 21 days. I went out and played on the road and you stayed here. So, no, I'm headed back to Austin tonight. I got a, I had some restaurants that were dinging my phone while we were doing this that need product. And I'm going to try to build our local deliveries tonight because we did finally get product in yes. um, this afternoon, so uh, then we'll work all weekend because um, Monday we are going full production, not not full production into scale, but we will be fully functioning yeah. at this plant on Monday. And so, um, yeah, I'm going to try to maybe get a little rest Sunday. Yeah. Uh, we'll go to church, get home. I really, I really may take a, a 
an afternoon nap. I think you need to. I think it's uh, be responsible if you did. We don't want you to get too uh, loopy. You might get punchy or something like that. Oh, I've been a little testy this last <laughs> I don't like you like that, Cole. Yeah. You know, you're, you're too good of a guy. And I, I can't give you shit whenever you're not in a good mood, for one. Yeah. No, it takes a lot to push my buttons, but. Damn, you got some stories, though, don't you? Here we go. In time, like you said, in a year from now, going to be laughing about this. For sure. Because that's what we do. That's, uh, you know, that's what we're into. This is uh, people are going to start paying attention. We're going to, we're going to, I always been saying this from day one, we're going to reinvent the Texas beef industry. So let's do it. What do you say? I'm in. I've been in. Well, you go get some rest. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. Sounds like a deal. Then we'll do this again, and we'll see how it's flowing. And then we're going to do the Cattleman's Kill It and Grill It November 5th in Luling, Texas, Beef Initiative K&C Cattle 2 Bar C Ranch. And uh, this is going to be the beginning, a celebration that we said we're going to do it the first of the year. We're here. And we've come this far. So thank you, Cole. Appreciate you. My pleasure. All right. We'll see you guys later. Podcasting 2.0. Thank you for streaming your sats, boosting and all that. We like to call you out each week. I'll get better at it. It's value for value exchange. This is what we're doing. We're exchanging value for value exchange. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your loyalty and trust. Let's uh, go reinvent the beef industry in the state of Texas first, then we're going to spread it out locally, globally. Here we go.